Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi there, and welcome to the show. I'm Monique. We are in the first month of our season one launch after finishing a really successful 13-week pilot. So thank you. Thank you for listening in and keeping our ratings so high. Once again, I'm coming to you from Valencia, Spain, where I'm coaching, broadcasting, and doing volunteer work for the summer. And if you're following me on social media, you will be getting all of those details in the coming weeks so that you can keep up with what I'm doing. More and more, leaders are realizing that their teams need skills in addition to technical skills. IT people, engineers, and even scientists need to be able to communicate, network, and negotiate. If they can't do that, it brings down the entire team in the way of perception, reputation, and even branding. Today, we'll be discussing the skills missing from the workforce and how to instill them across the organization. My guest today is Mark Hirschberg. Mark is a chief technology officer. He's been a chief product officer. He's an MIT instructor and the author of The Career Toolkit. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, thanks so much for being here. You have a lot of experience in the C-suite and you're an MIT instructor. Tell us more about your background. I graduated MIT back in the 90s during the dot-com era and started out as a software engineer. I quickly realized that to get to where I wanted to go, to be in the C-suite, it wasn't just about being the best engineer I could be. Certainly, I had to have good technical skills. And technical skills doesn't just mean coding for engineers. It could be accounting for accountants or selling for sales. You need those good technical skills. But there were other skills, leadership networking, negotiating, communicating, team building, hiring, all these other skills no one ever taught me. And those were going to be necessary for me to qualify and succeed at higher level roles. So I began to upskill myself because there wasn't a lot of content. We didn't have great shows like this back then. And as I was doing so, I realized these skills are not just for C-suite leaders. They apply to everyone from the most junior person right out of school up through the CEO. And so as I developed them in myself, I began to upskill my team as well. As I was doing this, MIT had been noticing similar patterns, similar issues in the workplace by getting feedback from corporations we speak to. And by the way, other universities have found the same thing. And so we said, we need to create this program to instill these skills in our students. And that's what got me teaching at MIT. I helped develop the program over 20 years ago, and I've been teaching there ever since in parallel to my work actually building and running companies. What is the program at MIT that you teach? It's officially called the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program. That name has certain internal connotations at MIT. Colloquially, it's referred to as the Career Success Accelerator, because really we're getting those skills in to accelerate people's careers. And you're teaching the soft skills. We are teaching the soft skills because the wow. soft skills are not generally taught elsewhere at MIT or even elsewhere at most other universities or even most corporate campuses. And you've also written a book, The Career Toolkit. What are the topics in the book? There are 10 topics in three sections. Section one is on careers. Chapter one, how to create and execute a career plan. Chapter two, working effectively, things like managing your manager, understanding corporate culture and how you deliver value. Chapter three, hiring. Most of us know how to interview as a candidate. There's plenty of information on that, but rarely do we teach people how to interview from the other side of the table and yet we do so much of that in our jobs. The second section, leadership and management, has a chapter on leadership, and then one on the people side of management, and another on the process side of management. The third section, four chapters, one on communication, another on networking, negotiating, and then ethics. And the way the book is written, 
chapters stand on their own. So someone can get the book, they can go right to chapter eight on networking and skip the first seven if that's where they need to go. Each chapter has a mental shift, how to think differently about the skill, and then concrete, actionable things you can do to improve in that area. And these are really important topics. These are topics that my coaching clients bring all the time to our sessions where they've either been given feedback that they need to get better at these things, or they realize for themselves that it's a blind spot and they need to, you know, upskill themselves. And does the book mirror the course that you teach? I would say it's inspired by the course. And the reason for that is first, I'm teaching MIT students who are at a different level from a mid-career professional, senior career professional, even, even early career professional who has some set of skills. So the topics are similar, but the class at MIT I'm teaching at a perhaps lower level. Also there I can orient the examples to be a lot more from STEM. Whereas in the book, it's written for a general audience and we pull in examples from all different fields and all different functional areas. So the book could really apply to anybody in any role, uh, any organization or industry. It's designed for white collar office workers. It okay. may not be as helpful for people in union jobs, for example. It also can be helpful to solopreneurs who might want to do their own growth and need to improve on networking or negotiating, but really it was written for kind of the corporate worker. How important would you say are the soft skills compared to the hard skills? It's not an either or, but here's an example to understand the impact they can have. We're gonna do a tiny bit of math. This is something I developed and use with my students, but it's gonna be math we can all handle. Remember back, remember back to middle school, we're going to do a simple word problem. You've got a rectangle that's four by 10. So it's 40 units in size. You want to increase one of the sides by two units to maximize the area. So do you increase the short side or the long side? Now, if you can remember the math from back then, the answer is we increase the short side. We go from four to six, and that gives us 60 units. Conceptually, if we think about what's happening, when you put those two units on the short side, they are amplifying the 10 units on the long side. If you put the two units on the long side, they're only amplifying the four units on the short side. All of us have long sides and short sides. We have skills where we are strong, skills where we're maybe not as good. And of course, there's more than two. So a classic example is someone who is very technical in their domain. Again, technical, I don't mean software developer IT. You might be a brilliant accountant, but you speak in such technical jargon that your short side, your communication is short. And that's great. You're really good at this. You've got that very long side, but you can't communicate it well with people outside your field. So your overall area, you're long and thin, you have a small area, that's your capability. Yes, you have to continue to invest in your long side. Certainly in a field like accounting, you have to keep up with new tax laws. That's why you have COEs. But if you invest just a little bit in your short side, you get much better ROI. You improve your communication, not necessarily to be on the TED stage, but all of a sudden you present better to your colleagues, your coworkers, your clients. You're much more impactful. So the short skills can be used to really amplify our core domain skills. So going back to when you said it's not an either or, the hard skills are just as important as the short uh, soft skills. And you need to evaluate those areas of soft skills that you're deficient in and then work to improve those. That's right. We all need to look at where our skills are across these dimensions as well as our technical skills, the hard skills of your field, and invest time in them. And again, certainly we need to invest time in our domain skills. I know in my field of software, if I wasn't paying attention to the new stuff coming out, I'd still be programming in COBOL and no one would want me. But 
by recognizing the impact of these short skills, putting in just a little bit of time in one or more short skills each year as part of your development program, you can have a huge impact. And now think about not just for yourself, but for your team. What if everyone on your team or in your department or organization was 3% better at teamwork, 3% better at networking and bringing in opportunities, 3% better at communicating? What is that going to do to your bottom line? And this type of advancement, getting a 2-3% gain, that's something you can do in a matter of hours over the course of some months, a little bit of training, a little bit of practice, you can upskill your team that way. What would you say are the soft skills that are missing more so than others in the workplace? I wouldn't say there's any one necessarily that stands out across the others, but let me give just a few examples. Most people don't have career plans. They simply say, well, I hope to get to that level in five years and 10 years, but no plan. We mentioned interviewing earlier. Most people have had zero training in how to interview a candidate. We just assume, well, you've been on the other side of it, so you probably know what you're doing. When it comes to skills like managing your manager, or understanding corporate culture, corporate politics, which trips lots of people up, again, there is just a strong lack of skills. We certainly know when it comes to leadership and management, plenty of us have seen a lack of those skills. There's at many companies a lack of ethics. We've seen when it comes to networking, many people get that wrong or aren't good at or just don't approach it the right way. Same thing with negotiation. So I think really across the board, we see just a, a bunch of missing capabilities across all of these different dimensions. And I know you mentioned that a lot of people don't have a career plan. And I see that a lot in coaching too. I don't think people take a very intentional approach or a strategic approach to developing their career. They either have had promotions fall in their lap, you know, the fortunate ones, or they've applied for something when it comes open and then they find they're not ready. And they didn't realize that beforehand because they weren't really planning. They just, uh, on a knee-jerk reaction, applied for something. And a lot of people don't look at that as a, a soft skill. But I suppose the career planning, the navigating the corporate politics, the corporate culture, all those are considered soft skills, right? They are. And let's actually dive into career planning for a moment. Imagine your CEO came to you and said, it's January 1st. Here is a huge critical project. 20% of our revenue depends on this project. You're in charge of it. So what do you do? You say, okay, great. Let's schedule a meeting December 31st. I'll sit down in your office, cross your fingers. Let's hope I get the project completed on time. Of course not. That's insanity. And yet that's what we do with our careers. We say, well, let's hope I get here in a couple years. But in fact, what we do on that project is we say, well, if we need to be here on December 31st, where do we need to be start of November? What are the milestones? What are the checkpoints? Let's meet up. Let's create a plan. Not that this plan is going to unfold exactly as we thought it would, but we're going to have checkpoints along the way and adjust as we go through the project. That's how we reduce risk and increase our chances of success on any project we do at work. Yet when it comes to our career, which is a project that lasts 10, 20, 30 years, a project that is responsible for not 20% of our revenue, but 80, 90, for some people, 100% of the revenue, we just cross our fingers and hope. And that's insanity. And in fact, companies do benefit by having honest discussions with their employees about their long-term career and being honest and saying, okay, as we get 10 years out, I recognize you may not be here. Hey, let's face it, I, your boss, might not be here either in 10 years. And that's okay, but we're going to help you develop and grow. And everyone benefits, even when it's something that's going to lead to a place outside the company long term. Why do you think these things are not taught in school? I mean, when I was in school and in college, at least then, they weren't taught. Are they being taught now? 
They still are not. There are some nascent programs like what we have at MIT. And it basically comes down to the fact that universities are run by professors. They're wonderful people, but professors are deep experts in their domain. So when you go to college and you say, I want to learn marketing, the marketing professors, these experts with PhDs say, well, take these intro classes and then some intermediate ones and a few advanced ones. And if you take all this, plus some general requirements the school's throwing on you, if you take all those classes, we will give you a piece of paper saying you have acquired a certain level of knowledge in marketing. They're not saying you're a good marketer. They're not saying you're a good employee. They're just saying you have acquired this level of knowledge. And that was sufficient 70 some years ago when you were a cog in a machine and you sat there in your row of desks and your boss came along and said, I'm putting this in your inbox. You say, yes, sir, work on it, stick in your outbox, next, sir. And when you're a cog, you just need to do that technical work in your discipline. When you fast forward to the 80s, 90s, and certainly today, as we removed a lot of middle management, got to flatter and more interdisciplinary teams, we're no longer these cogs just doing a very narrow scope of work. Now we need to bring in all these other skills to be successful. Unfortunately, academia moves at a glacial pace and has not caught up with this. And the academics still say, we're just here about our domain information and that's what matters. And I suppose a lot of these skills, so even if they were taught in school, they require practice in real life situations, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to simulate some of these things in a classroom, isn't it? It is indeed. The simple analogy, and we'll talk more about this as we get deeper into the show, is learning these skills is more akin to learning music or sports that is to memorizing the periodic table or learning some formula in math. Okay, I see. We have been talking to Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit, about the critical soft skills missing from the workplace. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear about the concept of peer learning. So stay with us, we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Dagneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Leading with Intention. 
We're here with Mark Hirschberg talking about soft skills in the workplace and how to learn them. Mark, before break, you were talking about learning music or learning sports. How does this tie into the concept of learning soft skills? Soft skills need to be learned differently from how we typically teach. If you think back to high school or college, the professor is just blasting you with information and you write down the dates in history, the formula in chemistry, and you just memorize that information. But as I noted earlier, before the break, this is more akin to learning music or sports. I can teach you the rules to basketball in a couple hours, but it's going to take you years to master it. And in order to develop those skills, what do you do? Well, you'll play games of basketball, but to improve faster, you will run drills where you do a specific skill and practice that. You will get coaching and feedback. You will do scrimmage games where you can practice and try things where it doesn't always count. You might even watch clips. You can watch a video of your team, yourself playing or other teams and learn from that. These are techniques that we use in sports and music. And these are techniques that we need to apply when developing these soft skills, because it is not simply memorize these three things and now you're a leader. So that comes down to practice, practicing the skills as if they were drills, like you said? That's one way to do it. But here's the catch. We can, on a basketball team, say, we're going to do a scrimmage game today and try things out, try a new formation, try shooting this way. You've never done it before. Oh, you know what? Terrible. We lost the game. Doesn't matter. It's scrimmage. Unfortunately, at work, we can't say, hey, everyone, I'm going to lead a whole new way this week and halfway through the week go, you know what? Time out. Do over. This has been terrible. Forget everything I've just done. There is no time out in the workplace. So we don't get as much chance to practice. But using techniques like peer learning, we can create these special bubbles where we can practice these techniques, where we can work through them in ways where we can try things out and push ourselves and develop the skills without some of the, wow, I just screwed up in front of my team of 100 people. And peer learning can take place in the workplace or are you talking about in the classroom? It can take place in both locations. Now, peer learning is how we're teaching this at MIT. It's how top business schools teach but it's also a way you can teach within your organization. So let's talk about how you can implement this. I recommend getting groups of about six to eight people, but there are ways you can scale it up if you want larger groups. You want diversity in these teams, not just the classic diversity of gender and race, and very importantly, do have that, but you don't want all your salespeople in one department, all the marketing people in another, you want to mix the team so you get someone from engineering and accounting and marketing all on the same team to get that diversity of perspectives. The team should meet once or twice a month, depends on the frequency you want to set. I'd recommend typically about an hour every other week, but you can do an hour once a month. What you want to do is give them some content to focus on. Now, yes, you can use my book and I break down how to do it, but if you don't want to use my book, you can use other books. You can use articles. You can use wonderful programs like this. So there's no cost. You just say, everyone, listen to this radio program or watch this video ahead of time. Then we're going to come together and discuss it. And if, for example, the topic is leadership and there's a show talking about some particular type of leadership, we've all seen it or we all read it. And now we come together and discuss it. And I can say, well, here's what I got out of it. You're going to share your perspective. So, oh, that's interesting. I, I never thought of it that way. I'm glad I'm seeing your perspective because we know there's not one right answer, one right way to do it. Someone else might talk about, I tried doing something, something like that years ago. Here's what worked well. Here were the tricky spots I found. Someone might even say, you know, on my team, I'm having this challenge. I'm thinking of trying it. How should I do it? By the way, importantly, in these peer groups, you do want the same level. You don't want very senior people with junior people. So you do have the same peer level. So we can explore these ideas together among our peers. And it's in that exploration that we start to uncover the different facets of the skills and really begin to understand on a deeper level. 
the other thing you can do if you want to go further is you can get, for example, case studies. You can buy those from universities or you can do some type of role-playing exercise. And this gives you a chance to practice. This is all scrimmage because if you do screw it up in this group, you say, okay, well, that wasn't a real negotiation. That wasn't a real leadership example. And I'm glad I learned from it. So peer learning you can do at your organization with no cost. And here are the four great benefits you get from it. First, you're upskilling your entire team. You're getting that 3% better across your organization. Second, you're creating employee engagement. And especially today, we're recording this in 2023, we know that employees are saying, it's not just the money. I want companies that support me. I want companies that are gonna help move me forward. This is a way you can do so at little or no cost. Third, you're increasing internal networking. Because you have people from different groups coming together, people who might not otherwise interact, you're improving that internal networking, which is so important to create cohesion and effectiveness in an organization. And finally, you're creating a common language. If, for example, you said, we're all going to use the book Good to Great, and we're going to go chapter by chapter each month and discuss it, well, then at the end of reading this book, someone can say, oh, well, let's think of this using the hedgehog model. And everyone says, sure, hedgehog model. I know exactly what you mean because I read that same model. So you're increasing the communication. So you are upskilling employees, creating employee engagement, fostering internal networking, and creating a common communication framework, all for little or no cost. And it sounds like you can use previous scenarios or previous situations that happened or things that you read about or hear about, but can you also use situations that are coming up? Like if someone has a, a situation or uh, they're going to a networking event and they don't know how to network, can something like that be used in a peer learning group so that the group can talk about strategies and techniques of networking? You absolutely can, and that's what's great about this. And by the way, you might be thinking this sounds like a mastermind group where you might be paying thousands of dollars to some very expensive coach. It's the same idea. You might not have that very experienced coach, someone like yourself, but you're still getting a significant amount of value just from the peers. It might not be quite as good as a coach, but you're getting it from your peers and there's no cost. So it can be very cost-effective. You can talk about future circumstances. One thing to watch out for, and at the end, we'll give you some links where you can download a guide, a free guide on how to implement this. One thing to watch out for is, of course, if I'm having trouble with my manager, I might not want to talk about it in this group because it could get back to my manager. But some things like I'm having trouble negotiating with a vendor or I'm going to a networking event, absolutely, you can get that input. And the great thing is not only do I gain that experience and wisdom from the group, but you gain some experience and wisdom because you're going to think through this. You're going to think through what can work. You're going to hear from other people as well. And then you'll get the debrief after where I say, well, this technique worked really well. Here's what didn't work well. So all of us can gain from any real world situation that might have otherwise only applied and only helped one person previously. Where did this idea come from? This does come from how we've been teaching at MIT. And when we developed this course, it was developed with faculty members at MIT who have decades and even more of teaching, as well as practitioners like myself who come from the working world. And so we looked at different learning techniques. We certainly looked at what should we include. That's how we came up with these 10 topics, but then also what are the best ways to teach from research that we have at Sloan and elsewhere for how to best engage students. What would you say are some things to think about when using this approach? It's important, as we mentioned, to get that diversity, but to watch, I mentioned this briefly, to watch the different levels of seniority, because certainly someone in the same group as their manager, that can be awkward. It could be awkward to go through certain topics. One of the topics in my book, for example, we cover corporate politics. And corporate politics, by the way, it's not a bad thing. Most people think of it as bad, but it's kind of like real politics. Yeah, it tends to kind of have an icky feel, but 
boy, if we didn't have politics, how would we actually elect officials and govern? We do need it. And when done right, it's a good thing. It's just sometimes it's done wrong. But boy, if we're going to have a discussion about politics in this group, that can kind of get awkward, turn negative. So some organizations might say, you know, we're going to put some guidelines here. We're going to say, here's what the topics are. Some might even want someone from HR just acting as a facilitator, not that they're the ones with the answers, but just to facilitate, help make sure that the conversations don't veer off topic. Um, companies that are small, some say we're only 20 people. It's hard to actually find these groups and not have people from different levels. Well, then you can find some other organizations, other small ones, work with them and do teams across your company. You don't even all have to be from the same company. That can bring in more diversity of perspectives that can let you maybe share a little more and not feel, oh, this could get back to my manager. And this is going to help everyone across those organizations. So if you're small, find others. You must know other, other companies, friends elsewhere, and you can do it that way. In the organizations that you've worked with or have been a part of in the C-suite, how much impact have you seen that this has had within an organization? I have found it very engaging and helpful. I think employees really do respond to this. They do like the idea of learning and developing. Now, this is slightly different from some other exercises you may have done. I've certainly seen companies where they say, we're going to spend the afternoon talking about the values and they can do some exercises that maybe feel a little hokey and it feels a little bit like indoctrination. But here, when it's laid out as we are doing this to help you improve, this is part of your employee development that we are offering you because we care about you and we want to make you better. Employees respond very well to that. And then again, uh, I think the biggest impact beyond the upskilling and the engagement, I think it is really that internal networking where I've seen employees who, wow, I've never spoken to anyone in accounting before. I, I knew there were those people sitting over in the corner. I didn't even know their names, but now they start to meet those people. It breaks down the barrier. They start talking at the proverbial water cooler or even, hey, let's grab coffee person who was a stranger to me three months ago. So it really can take, I think it takes effect pretty quickly and has impact across these many dimensions. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said about the synergy that can be developed in some of these groups. I mean, even if you're just in a group and you're networking, you can sometimes feel the synergy develop. But in a group where there's this kind of learning going on, I imagine it can be really, really powerful for everyone involved. And this can be implemented if you are a director or a VP, you can say, we're going to do it just in my organization, should HR not want to roll this out across the whole thing, so you can try that way. Ideally, it would be rolled out across the organization. If you find your company says, we don't want to do this at all, and you wish you had it or had some of you had this for some of your employees, again, you can find other people at other organizations. You can reach out to people in your larger network. You can find communities for example, meetup.com and say, we're going to create a local meetup to do this and just pull in people from different backgrounds, different companies. And that is totally fine. By the way, this can be done both in person and virtual. So you can sit around a conference table or you can all get on a video conference together or you can mix it up. So this should not, don't feel that you have a hybrid team or virtual team and this won't work for you. It very much works both ways. For the leaders who are listening to this, who might be interested in implementing this, you know, you mentioned that teams can get even 1% better by doing this. What are some really practical first steps that they could take to implement this? One thing to be careful of is trying to do too much too soon. And so there's two general approaches. I do recommend if, if you can spare the cost, get a book. Again, if you want, you can use mine, but there's plenty of other. Pick your favorite leadership book or anything else because that can have a structure and you can say we're going chapter by chapter. You may want to do something broad. So my book, One Way to Break It Down, say 10 chapters, 
we're going to do a chapter a month. Or you might say, we're going to do something more extended. We're going to, for the next six months, focus just on communication. And so each month or twice a month, we're going to have a different article, a different aspect of communication. And all of us in this group, it might not be the same for every group. You can have different groups with different goals, but we're going to just focus on communication instead of last week was communication, two weeks from now, it's going to be something different. And it's just throwing too much too fast at people. So it's okay to say, we're going to take an intensive focus for a little bit, develop the skills, because we all know you hear it once on this show, we have one discussion about it. You haven't internalized that skill yet. So don't go too fast. A slow pace is very acceptable and probably even better. If you've tuned in a little late, we're here with Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit. We're having an in-depth conversation about missing the missing soft skills in the workplace and how to instill them in organizations through this concept of peer learning. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about how to measure the impact of soft skills. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Dagneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm here with MIT instructor Mark Hirschberg and author of The Career Toolkit. We're talking about the importance of soft skills in the workplace. Mark, we've been talking about peer learning and what a great concept that is and how it can actually be implemented in the workplace to build soft skills. In addition to peer learning, what are some other ways that organizations as a whole can help de develop the soft skills of their employees? Peer learning, of course, is good because you can broadly reach everyone at low cost, but there are other ways that might be a little more effective, but at higher cost. For example, uh, someone like you is a fantastic coach and companies take rising leaders. They might send them to one-on-one -on -one coaching from yourself, or you might send someone to executive education or two-day offsite training program to really focus on a particular skill. One key thing to remember, particularly with the two-day training programs or executive education that's intensive is that it's not one and done. To use a sports analogy again, I wouldn't say 
it's start of football season. I'm going to send my whole team to a one-week football camp. Great. Everyone, welcome back. You're good for the season. Let's just play games. No more need for practice. But you have to take what you learned and then keep applying it and get that feedback. And with our classes, when we send someone to that two-day training program and they come back, they get so bogged down with their work, they don't think about how am I actively implementing it. So just remember to keep some cadence of reflection and return to that information so it stays top of mind and you can incorporate and do the small course corrections. Likewise, if you're a manager and doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, so many people have an annual review, but it's just once a year, maybe twice a year. Make sure your feedback sessions are much more frequent. If someone's doing something good or bad, don't wait months to give them that feedback. You want to make it much, much faster. I think one of the other reasons why people don't think about developing soft skills is because they're really hard to measure. Uh, nobody really knows how to measure. It's not like you're building widgets and you can count them or anything like that. So can you help us understand how to measure the, the impact of soft skills in the workplace? This is tricky. And for anyone in HR or who's working with HR, this is a problem that's existed for decades where they say, we want people to live our values, do a training program. What does it mean to have everyone live the values? Or if you say, we want everyone to be better leaders, what does that mean? So you do want to be very quantitative as much as you can be. Even if there's some qualitative interpretations of that, you want some objective measure to know if you're achieving it. I'm going to just pick a few general ones uh, as examples. In fact, I have, will be adding to my website shortly, a longer list of these. So those listening live to the program, give me about a week or so and you'll see it on the website. If we look at networking, this is a fairly easy one. You can look at how many new people you're engaging with and adding to your network and how many people you are keeping up with on active basis in your network. And so there are some basic objective measurements there. Career planning, that may not be a quantitative measurement, but helping people develop a career plan. Most people, their plan is, I hope one day to have this job, but if you can help them map out, here are the steps, here are my skill gaps, here's the plan for how I am going to develop what skills when. Not that they're held to that, because like any plan, we'll adjust it, but you have something objective and concrete to say, yes, we created this. When it comes to skills like communication or leadership, that's going to be less directly quantitative and more about soliciting input from others. How is this person's communication capability asking others she or he might communicate to to rate and give feedback? And you can do that on some quantitative scale, even though it's a qualitative measurement. But you do want to come up with some of these objective ways you can look at. This is really helpful. And I know in coaching, when clients come to me and they identify their goals and many of their goals involve soft skills, we always talk first about how are they going to measure that? How are they going to measure their success? How are they going to know that they're successful or that they're making progress? So a lot of things that you have said are really helpful getting feedback, uh, tracking your your the increase in your network as you're networking. And I think some of it can even be a, a self-assessment, like if it's communication and they go into a meeting and they want to be more assertive, a lot of people, they will know about themselves if they felt like they were assertive in a meeting or if they sat there and didn't say anything. So I think sometimes a, a self-evaluation is also helpful in evaluating certain soft skills. Um, but it's important to know that you can evaluate that. You know, they can be measured. And I'm, I think even with customer service, you know, if the customer service people are communicating really well, and if they've improved their communication, hopefully there will be less complaints or happier clients. And those are all measured in certain ways by metrics. So I think that's all very important. So thanks for um, bringing up all those methods of measurement. Tell us Absolutely. about your 
app that's called Brain Bump. This is a free app that you developed it, right? I did. From years of teaching, I found my students would say, wow, this is great information. And then they'd forget all as soon as they walked out the door. I know when I read a book, like the one I wrote, say, wow, this is great information. And then I forget most of it two weeks later. I might listen to a wonderful program like this and say, wow, there's so many useful tips. I'll forget most of it within a day. This is a problem because where we read information isn't where we need information. So I developed BrainBump. It's like a cross between a flashcard app and a daily affirmation app, but we give you the content. So we've gone out, we found different content creators, authors, podcasters, bloggers, speakers, instructors. Right now in 2023, it's primarily business skills, but we'll be expanding that. They have put the key points from their books, shows, talks, and other content into the app as little flashcards. They're all tagged. And so you can use the app one of two ways. When you download the free app, you can install sets of tips. So if you install the tips from my book and you find two months from now, you're about to walk into a conference, you're thinking, what were those networking tips Mark talked about? Maybe you read in my book, but you don't have to purchase the book to get it. Say, well, I know there are networking tips. You open the app, you go to the tag networking, and there are the networking tips right in front of you. Flip through them 60 seconds before you walk in the door. And now they're all top of mind ready to be employed by you when and where you need it. The other way I mentioned, there's a daily affirmation piece. You might be reading a management book and saying, okay, I'm, I'm a new manager. I want to employ some of these new management techniques, but you don't remember what to do and where to do it. So what if each day you don't even have to open the app, you got just a little push notification to your phone at a time you request. We never send you things you didn't ask for, but you say 9 a.m. or as I walk into the office, just give me a reminder of one of those management ideas. Oh, yep, good idea. Swipe it away. You're done. So it takes two seconds a day, but what you're doing is getting spaced repetition. You're seeing it over and over, and that helps you retain it better. It helps keep it top of mind and increases the likelihood that you can recall it from your long-term memory. Again, the app is totally free. We provide the content for you, although in our 2.0 release coming out in July of 2023, you'll be able to add additional content. If we don't have the tip that you wanted, you might have some favorite book we don't yet have. You can add those yourself. And this is all completely free. So the app is literally soft skills at your fingertips. It is, that's exactly right. <laughs> I often say, put the tips from my book right in your pocket so it's there <laughs> with you anytime you need it. <laughs> and it's great because... When people go into like a networking event, so many times in coaching, we will prepare them. The, the prep will role play. We'll talk about strategies. They'll get into the networking event and they're so nervous. They forget everything that we've talked about. So with your app, actually, they can just pull it out and still look at strategies and tips. Exactly. You can do it right before you walk in because that's where you might be panicking and forgetting what you right. talked about in your coaching session. You can... <laughs> run to the bathroom halfway through and pull out the app and right. go, okay, what, what was I already just forgot? It's there <laughs> when and where you need it. And that's what makes this so unique. It puts the information in the location and time that is most useful to you. How can people find your app? The app you can find if you go to brainbumpapp.com. That's the website. And there you can follow links to the app store for Android or iPhone. It's free for both brainbumpapp.com. Okay, great. I'm definitely going there. Uh, so thank you for providing that. What other types of resources do you offer? And, and you've talked about your book. Where can people find the book? And do you offer any other services or resources? A whole bunch. And it's generally all free. My other website, we mentioned brainbumpapp.com for the app. For the book, you can go to thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can see where to buy the book, Amazon, other places. I have a weekly article that I write there. There's also a resources page with a number of completely free resources. I don't even ask for your email. The very first one on that page is 
how to implement that peer learning program. It's a career toolkit development program, completely free to download. By the way, the copyright is written such that you can cross my name out, put your name there and go to your company and say, I had a brilliant idea. I am totally fine with you taking credit. I want you to implement this and be successful. There's a bunch of other free downloads. There are links to other programs out there, online free programs, for example, personality assessment tools. I try a link to free ones. So there's additional resources for you, all free. I also have some other books I recommend, books that I reference in mine or maybe didn't, but that I found helpful are all listed there. In terms of other services, so this is for the book, this is for the app. I also personally do fractional CTO consulting, but I don't list those on either of those websites. So that you can just find me on LinkedIn. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. My guest today has been Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit. Mark, thank you so much for being here. And I'd like to remind everyone to visit my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. And there you can sign up for my blog that goes out twice a month. There is a resource page where you can download a lot of free information. And all of my social media is there. Uh, please follow me on social media so that you can keep getting updates about the things that I'm doing. And you can keep getting updates about this show. Please listen to the show as you have been because you've kept our ratings really high. So I greatly appreciate that. And until we talk again, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.